Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, good friends. Good to see you again. And welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Uh, Well, you know, he may call them the enemy of the people, but we all know that nobody's benefited as much from the media as Donald Trump has. The truth is, he would never have made it to the White House, and it's still hard to believe he even made it that far, without the media. As president, he could never have broadcast so many lies without the media. And as former president, he could never continue to spew his big lie about the 2020 election without the media. So how should the media cover a four times indicted Donald Trump today? And why does the rest of the media talk about Fox News like just another legitimate news organization instead of treating it like the Republican Party propaganda platform it really is? Oliver Darcy keeps his eye on the media as senior media reporter for CNN and author of the newsletter, Reliable Sources. Oliver joins us today with his take on what's happening today in the world of cable news. Oliver Darcy, uh, good to reconnect with you and welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me. So I, I got to start out with something you've been writing a lot about. We saw it uh, last Wednesday evening, whatever it was. It started out with a question about a country western song, and it ended with a question about UFOs. Uh, what were we watching? Was this a presidential debate or a paid political propaganda show? Well, I think for anyone wondering why the Republican Party uh, wanted to partner with Fox News for the first couple of debates, I think the question was probably answered uh, while watching that. Uh, of course, the most notable moment came uh, about an hour into the debate when uh, the, the co-moderators, uh, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, they brought up uh, finally, uh, Donald Trump, the lies he's told about the 2020 election, the January 6th insurrection, really the ugly state of, of affairs inside the Republican Party. They brought that up an hour in, and you saw how reluctant they were to even talk about it. I mean, the moderators really should have been trying to press these Republican candidates about what's happening in their own party. And after about 10 minutes or so, you heard Martha McCallum say, um, okay, well, as promised, we're only going to ask a couple <laughs> questions and move on. Yeah. And I was just like, really? You're going to move on after that? And you saw Mike Pence. Mike Pence was basically, I'm not ready to move on. I have more to say about this. But it was just another example, uh, another illustration of how Fox News isn't really interested, I think, in tackling these big issues inside the Republican Party. They're largely a mouthpiece for it. Right. And and um, we, a lot of us thought, right, that this debate was going to be dominated by questions, after all, about the front runner who was a no-show and who's been indicted on 91 counts, right? <laughs> uh, and yet is the front runner uh, for the party. And it was, what, an hour into the evening before they even got to it? 
Yeah, I mean, they literally opened Bill with that Rich Men of, or North of Richmond song, which has gone uh, viral largely due, due to uh, right-wing media picking it up and really yeah. amplifying that song. And I think that just set the tone for the night and really said uh, to everyone what this debate or, or this this event was really about. I mean, the, can you imagine a serious news anchor, not on Fox News, opening up a debate with a uh, playing a yeah. video like that and then saying, what do you make of this video to the second leading candidate? <laughs> I mean, talk about assault. even Bill O'Reilly, you know, he tweeted that was a super softball. I, 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 I just, you know, watching this debate, it, it was just striking uh, the, the kid glove treatment I think a lot of these candidates received. Well, I must say, you sort of saw this coming, right? Uh, you wrote a column a couple of days before the debate uh, chastising the media for talking about this debate on Fox News as if this, this was going to be a serious news show, right, or news op uh, news operation, if you will, uh, when in fact it was <laughs> it was being produced by Fox News, which is a what Republican propaganda arm almost. I mean, I, I don't know if you even need a caveat it there, uh, Bill, but by saying almost. I, I no, think the that, Dominion that, documents were very clear of what Fox News is, and you saw that when the, whether it was Rupert Murdoch saying, you know, to, to Suzanne Scott at one point, go help out in Georgia where there was that uh, special Senate race, um, or a number of the other things that we saw behind the scenes on how Fox News works. It, it's very clear that they are afraid of their audience, which is made up largely of Donald Trump supporters, and they're feeding them information that affirms their worldviews. Uh, and it's baffling to me, Bill, that most of my colleagues, uh, whether it's at the New York Times or the Washington Post or elsewhere, can't recognize what Fox News is. And it's it's largely a right-wing talk network. That's primarily what they do. And you still see this hesitation from the New York Times and the Washington Post to even characterize Fox News as conservative. I mean, if you read the stories they print, they usually never characterize Fox News. You would have no idea if you were just mm -hmm. walking right. into this that it's a right-wing network. I mean, I think saying Fox News is a right-wing network is actually, uh, you know, pretty pretty soft on them at this point, given the propaganda they push and the dishonesty they traffic in. Uh, but it would be a starting point, and it seems that they these these major news institutions uh, either lack the the clarity when covering Fox News to recognize what they are, or they lack the spine and they don't want to alienate uh, what they view as potential uh, subscribers to their paper. Either one, it, it really doesn't uh, speak well uh, of a lot of these institutions. By the way, and dishonesty proven in court, right, for which they had to pay a mighty fine. It, I mean, there's so much dishonesty that comes out of Fox News. I, I, they get away with with so much, like 95% of the stuff they run that's dishonest, they just end up getting away with it. But there have been some major examples, obviously the election 2020, um, paying $787 million to Dominion, a historic uh, defamation settlement. Uh, but also just like this past weekend, you know, they had to apologize to a Gold Star family yeah. for uh, publishing a false story about, about uh, them having to supposedly pay $60,000 to have the remains of their fallen relative shipped back to the United States. 
uh, which the Pentagon informed Fox News was not true. And uh, instead of Fox News copying to it, at when, when they learned that this wasn't true, they just deleted the story. And only now, after media reports, are they apologizing. But this is just par for the course for Fox News, Bill. And by the way, that story that was published and then deleted, which is, you know, pretty, pretty unethical, um, that's supposed to be their, quote, news side. That's the Brett Baer side of Fox yeah, News. And right. so, you know, there's a lot to say about Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and, and, and those, uh, you know, Republican propagandists, but also the news side, supposedly, that Brett Baer leads has a lot of major problems. Why is it, do you think, that the media uh, doesn't call Fox out for who they are? Um, I, I, Camar I, camaraderie or, well, <laughs> I think a lot of news executives, Bill, are stuck in a time vortex or prefer to be stuck in a time vortex of like 10, 15 years ago when Fox News did have folks like Shep Smith and Chris yep. Wallace. Mm -hmm. And you could say, you know, look, Sean Hannity's on there and Bill O'Reilly's on there, but they have a news organization or, or news side of things that does good work. And I think it was just easier to to have that non-confrontational stance. The problem is that Fox News, particularly during the Donald Trump presidency, uh, morphed into something far more sinister and ugly. Uh, and you saw them time and time again, just pushing dishonest propaganda to support Donald Trump and to protect Donald Trump. And it's like news executives, you know, they struggled to call Donald Trump's lies lies for a while. And that, that debate finally... Uh, resolve itself, but they haven't really grappled with Fox News. And it's like they prefer to just pretend that this is the organization that they once knew 15 years ago. It's not. And the problem with pretending that, you know, this is Fox News of 15 years ago is it's inaccurate. And you have readers who count on these journalists to tell them the truth. Often these readers pay these journalists, you know, subscription fees, whether it's the Times mm -hmm. or the Post or others, to tell them the truth. And these organizations are sadly not delivering clear-eyed coverage to their readers and to their audiences. And I think that's what's also alarming about this. It's not that they're only um, afraid or, or to, to, to call Fox News what it is, but they're also delivering an inaccurate assessment of the state of affairs at Fox News to their readers. You know, to your point... Um... I was part of the White House press corps in the first year of th throughout the Obama presidency, went to the briefings every day. Uh, and you may remember in the first year of the Obama uh, White House, um, th th there was a move to keep Fox, not invite Fox to certain news conferences or certain events just because I think the word was they're not a real news network. And the White House Press Corps and the White House Correspondents Association all came to the defense of Fox. But, of course, I, I, I agree with your point. At that time, uh, Fox leaned right, right? But it was not yet an arm of the Republican National Committee, or maybe not so obviously so. Yeah, um, I, think, I think there's a difference yeah. between a conservative news organization. And I think it would be very healthy for this country to have an honest conservative news organization that uh, held the power yeah. that Fox News does, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's a difference between that and a dishonest propaganda organ, uh, largely for Donald Trump and, and the Republican Party. And I think that Fox News probably started off more as a conservative news organization serving an audience that maybe felt underserved by the rest of media and has really just veered sharply 
toward being a, a, a mouthpiece for the Republican Party. And again, what, what right? Sorry, what what's baffling to me is it's not controversial, Bill, to call Alex Jones a conspiracy theorist. Um, I think most of these organizations they they're pretty clear eyed in their coverage of Alex Jones or some of these smaller right wing talk channels like Newsmax. Uh, but for some reason, Fox News gets a special pass, and that's what's bizarre to me. If if um, you know if Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist, why isn't Sean Hannity considered one, given the amount of conspiracy <laughs> theories that he's pushed? It makes no sense. No. And yet, there are some who believe that Fox is not, not right-wing enough. So now we've got Newsmax and OAN. Uh, is Fox losing audience to them? Um, and are these other two networks particularly moving up in terms of uh, ratings? Well, I think what's interesting is you see when Donald Trump or the right wing um, or the Fox News base is upset with Fox News, you do see them migrate uh, for a period of time over to Newsmax. And so you saw that after the 2020 election when they were really upset. And so you saw Newsmax climb in the ratings. And then you saw more recently after Tucker Carlson was fired, Newsmax uh, saw big gains in the ratings. What typically happens is uh, these Fox News viewers who feel disenfranchised by the, the channel, they sample Newsmax, and then eventually Fox News wins them back. I, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. probably because it's just higher quality in terms of the, the production value than, than Newsmax is. Um, but Newsmax, I think, scares Rupert Murdoch because he sees that if he is to you know, um, criticize Donald Trump or he is to do something that runs afoul of those audience members, they do have alternatives and they can switch the channel now to Newsmax, which isn't something that might have happened a decade ago. Right. Uh, you mentioned his name, uh, Oliver, Tucker Carlson. Of uh, course, Donald Trump thought he was going to uh, overshadow uh, the GOP debate by scheduling this interview that would be shown, streamed at the same time, his interview with Tucker Carlson. Um, how'd that work out? Well, I think that Donald Trump did make actually a, a, a bit of a point by not showing up to the debate in that it probably did hurt their ratings a little bit. I think more people would have tuned in to see Donald Trump take on the Republican field, similarly to how they, they tuned in uh, back in 2015 to see him uh, go head to head with uh, other Republican candidates. But the idea that doing this interview or, or softball chat uh, with <laughs> Tucker Carlson uh, was going to damage ratings is just beyond just silly. I mean, it's it's just, it, it's not the way uh, media is consumed. Uh, if you see an internet video, you can watch that on your phone at the same time the debate's happening. But also, I don't think a lot of the Fox News viewers were immediately typing in twitter.com or x.com slash Tucker Carlson at, at you know, 8.55 p.m. to watch him chat with Donald Trump. I think their TVs were glued to Fox News, um, A, because that's what they do every night. You know, uh, two, three million people just have their TVs glued to Fox News every night. Uh, But B, because they know how to do it. It's easy. You just turn on the channel uh, to Fox News. You don't have to go online and and watch this, uh, this interview. And then 
the interview was old. It was a week old, and there wasn't really any news value. It's not like oh, Donald Trump was right. making an announcement. It's not like it was an interesting adversarial, perhaps, the, uh, interview. It was a uh, just a chat with the president from a week ago uh, that was pre-recorded and posted online. Uh, and so I doubt that it had any effect on Fox News's ratings. It's just a silly counter-programming strategy. If he really wanted to counter-program Bill, Donald Trump could have called in maybe to like MSNBC or CNN uh-huh. if they yeah. took him. And that would have been maybe somewhat interesting. And people may have switched over to, to see what's going on, but not Tucker Carlson on Twitter. Uh, so he did certainly take uh, uh, the spotlight the next day when he showed up in Atlanta and had his mugshot taken. I think we have seen what the mugshot for the ages, Oliver, with, with Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine, right, that another mugshot's going to um, be viewed more than this one. Uh, it, 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 it's, it, I mean, I, I think what you've seen that's interesting is obviously just the fundraising off of this, right? Like, they're almost proud of the mugshot. I, I would wonder if Donald Trump rehearsed how he was going to take and pose for that mugshot because he knew it was going to be seen so widely. And what's also interesting is a lot of his uh, MAGA media outlets like Breitbart, for instance, they're um, selling swag now uh, with the mugshot. So it's not only Donald Trump that's uh, benefiting from this uh, from a, uh, you know, uh, financial uh, viewpoint. Uh, Breitbart, I was, uh, I think that night they sent out a big email to all their, their, their fans or subscribers saying, you know, they have Donald Trump t-shirts and mugs and the whole thing. <laughs> no. Well, uh, the, the the coverage of Trump, I want to ask you about, I mean, it, since he since he's arrived, well, throughout the campaign in 2016, but certainly in his four years in the White House, the media has, always, has really been struggling with how do we cover Donald Trump? Do we do we do we use the word lies? Right. When we know it's a lie. Uh, and that's been sort of um, compounded now when you have Donald Trump who's the front runner and facing all of these legal challenges in four different uh, jurisdictions. Um, how good a job do you think the media is covering Donald is doing covering Donald Trump? And have we sort of accepted the new normal that a former president uh, can be basically accused of criminal conduct? And we just sort of report it as if it's, you know, the, the way things always were. You know, I, I do think the media has, done a lot better um, covering Donald Trump now than in 2015. So uh, in the, uh-huh. you know, eight years, uh, <laughs> we've learned a lot as a news media and I think are covering Donald Trump uh, more aggressively, not falling for much of his antics. Uh, that said, I, I think where the news media may have some uh, improvement or, or can can work on improving is just the general information wars that surrounds Donald Trump. I think you do see news networks struggle a little bit with how to deal with, um, you know, Hunter Biden and some of these things, these issues that come up because it's not easy. They're, they're typically thorny issues and it allows, I think some of these narratives that Donald Trump likes to push regardless of whether there's any evidence to support them to gain a foothold into the public discourse and so I think the news media may need some additional work covering those sorts of issues. But in terms of covering Donald Trump himself, um, you don't really see them taking him live anymore. 
you see them calling lies lies mm -hmm. you um see just far more aggressive coverage of the former president uh than than just even a few years ago i think after particularly after the um his administration but also after the insurrection uh things uh took a a, a bit of a turn so there the problem is right there are other uh, avenues for getting those conspiracy theories out there. It doesn't have to be through the mainstream media, of course, particularly social media. Um, how, how does that impact the media world today? And where, where, where are most people getting their news today? N not from network television, right? You know, I mean, I think it's just a, through a variety of outlets. I, I do think, I do think that, you know, world news tonight and those, those channel or those programs, they do still reach millions and millions of people every single night. So certainly a lot of people are still getting their news the old fashioned way from the evening news, big three broadcasts. Um, but there are a lot of other places to get one's news from nowadays. Like you said, there's social media, there's Facebook, there's Twitter or X, there's, you know, even Snapchat and TikTok that people consume information from uh, yeah. and where things go viral and maybe it's, you know, sometimes even I see stuff, Bill, on Instagram or wherever. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I want to actually fact check this. And I, so I'll Google it and see, you know, if there's any truth to uh, to what I've just read. But I think for a lot of people, it's just they, it's just something that kind of seeps in and they, you know, they they might see it uh, on social media and it just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that's what happened. So um, I don't know if the million dollar question, where do people get their news? I think it's just far more fractured of an environment than it was, um, uh, you know, a decade ago. It's it's cable news, it's network news, it's uh, online news websites like the New York Times.com and CNN.com. It's social media, it's podcasts like yours, it's newsletters. It's a very fractured environment. Well, I saw uh, and <laughs> and to further complicate the situation, the Columbia Journalism Review, um, which I check every day. I think it's very very good, but recently um one of their one of their writers uh came out with a very strong lead paragraph and a second paragraph said okay i confess i didn't write that i got ai to write that uh uh how do you view the the reality or the threat of uh ai in terms of uh, the media world and putting stories out there that are just not true i think the ai issue there's it's twofold so one, um, in terms of a threat to newsrooms, if AI is allowed to crawl, um, you know, have its bots like Google crawl the internet, crawl these news websites, take their information, and then um, deliver it to people without ever sending, you know, maybe CNN.com a, a link referral, which where it would get advertising revenue, I think that's a, a big issue, right? So you're um, yeah. capitalizing off of the all the work that an outlet did and then just giving it to people without effectively crediting them. So that's a, that's a big issue. And that's something that I'm sure newsrooms are are taking very seriously as they look at um, chat GPT and other AI models. And then the second the second thing is um, whether these AI bots are crawling the Web, seeing misinformation right from less credible places and then passing those along to people in an in an authoritative manner. And so that's that's alarming because you know someone might google or type in a chat gpt like tell me 
you know, the results of the 2020 election. And if it's relying on Breitbart's version of, of events, oh, right. uh, you know, that's going to be very, very different than than reality. And so um, I think that the AI issue uh, is really multi-pronged and um, it's it's certainly something to be concerned about. So um, there is, meanwhile, uh, a lot of news, a lot going on, and loose stuff going at CNN, Oliver. Um, let's take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. Uh, when we come back, uh, let's talk about what's the latest uh, at CNN, uh, which is your world, and for a long time was my world, very happily, uh, here on the Bill Press Pod. We'll be right back. <laughs> And today's podcast with Oliver Darcy from CNN Reliable Sources is brought to you, today's podcast brought to you by the Labor's International Union of North America, or LIUNA, as they call themselves, LIUNA.org. The backbone of America's labor union movement, the members of the labor's union, those who are rebuilding our infrastructure today, very active in the construction field, active in the energy field, building not just the old-fashioned pipelines, but today's new technology in reliable energy sources, wind turbines and solar panels, and active in the healthcare industry as well, all under the leadership of their new president, Brent Booker. We salute the members of the Labor's Union, invite you to join their, uh, check out their website at liuna, L-I-U-N-A dot org, and we thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with today's podcast on the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. And our guest, Oliver Darcy, who's the senior media reporter for CNN and author of the newsletter, Reliable Sources. Uh, Oliver, you know, when I first arrived at CNN, there was a show uh, called Reliable Sources. Um, Bernie Kalb was the host. Uh, one of his panelists every week was none other than a young Washington Post reporter by the name of Howie Kurtz. 
who then eventually became host of the show. So uh, you've got a long and then um, uh, a long line of you know good people that you've been um, that you you know you're following there at CNN. Oh well, thank uh, you. And, and there's of course Brian Stelter who Brian Stelter uh, should have mentioned him. Yeah, of course. Right. Who is a you know the host of Reliable for I think almost a decade, mm-hmm. uh, and I learned a lot from Brian when he was here. But uh, yeah, I mean I I, I am uh, I, I I every day when I write this newsletter, you know, it's not a television show anymore, Bill. Um, it's it's a newsletter now, yeah. um, Reliable Sources that, and we examine uh, the evolving information environment. But every day I write it, I do take it very seriously that I I do follow a, a long line of greats, and they all preserve the brand and upheld its values. And so uh, that's what I try doing every day as I write this newsletter. Well, you're doing a great job at that. I congratulate you. How can people uh, sign up for your newsletter? Very simple. Uh, You just go to ReliableSources.com. And the only thing on that website is a place to type in your email. And you just push sign up and you will be signed up for the newsletter. Okay, there you go. So CNN recently announced a whole new lineup for prime time. Uh, five hosts, uh, all great people. Uh, but it's interesting, other than uh, Aaron Barnett and uh, uh, Anderson Cooper, right? Caitlin Collins, Abby Phillips, Lara Coates, they're all brand new, right, at hosting a primetime television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, sort of a, a big roll of the dice for CNN. Yeah, I think CNN is really trying to usher in a new generation of uh, of uh, news anchors. And so I think you're seeing this across the board, not even only in prime time, but uh, you're seeing this uh, in the morning. Uh, Phil Mattingly is now the co-anchor of CNN This Morning. Uh, you saw it when they announced CNN uh, Max, um, which we can get into, but they announced that Rahel Solomon is going to be one of the anchors. And so I think you're seeing them try to uplift the next generation of CNN anchors and hosts and make a big bet on them. Now, of course, whether that bet pays off, you know, that's, that's, that's to, to be seen um, in terms of ratings and other things, but they are certainly uh, betting on these uh, younger folks to carry CNN into the next, into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all three solid journalists, right? I didn't mean to indicate that they yeah. were not. It's just interesting to see CNN go with a with a, a whole new, young, untested uh, lineup uh, in prime time. I was also going to ask you about the announcement made uh, just last week about CNN Max. Uh, what is that all about? And what's the difference between that and um, what was it called? CNN Plus that CNN lasted Plus. about, what, a week? <laughs> Yeah, so I think the big difference here is that CNN Plus was a standalone service. It was uh, CNN direct-to-consumer on CNN Plus, and it was very personality-driven. And so you had shows that were more like, you know, Jake Tapper's Book Club being the the most obvious example, but uh, not necessarily live CNN news, but these personality-driven perhaps shows um, that were aimed at uh, attracting subscribers, getting them to... Um, sign up for CNN uh, Plus, and then eventually when the linear uh, cable television model died, moving over the regular CNN feed to that service. Uh, mm-hmm. What CNN Max is, is, is it's, it's far different. It's uh, a live news service. And so you're going to see um, live news reports, live news shows, just like you would on CNN when you turn the dial over to CNN. You're going to see people like Jim Shuto anchoring uh, an hour-long live newscast. 
Um, and then what's also interesting um, and different is they're going to have uh, you know the lead with Jake Tapper or AC360, uh, the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer. Those big shows are also going to be streaming on CNN Max. Uh-huh. And they're going to be able to do that because those shows simulcast on CNN International, which is not bound by these complex care- mm-hmm. carriage agreements with the cable companies. And so they're going to simul- stream CNN International, which is simulcasting um, these, uh, these shows. And so viewers are immediately going to feel like they're watching CNN on CNN Max. And so uh, it's going to uh, be cheaper because you're using existing resources, but it's also going to be the CNN, I think, that most people know because you'll have those big names like Jake Tapper, Wolf Blitzer, Anderson Cooper, um, Christi- Christian Amanpour anchoring these shows. So linear television uh, disappearing? How long? How long? How, how much longer are, are, is it going to last? Well, think? that that is <laughs> that is the really big question, and and I don't have an answer for you on that one, Bill. But I I do think if you talk to most television executives, they would uh, signal that it's um, that the business model around linear television is contracting much faster than they may have anticipated. Uh, and so people are streaming more. For the first time ever, I think July was a month where people actually streamed more uh, entertainment content than they mm-hmm. watched on cable television through the old school model. And so wow. this wow. shift is happening very quickly. And so news networks, and not just CNN, but other news networks and other um, television channels, they're going to need to find a business model on streaming while they while they can, um, you know, because this linear model is quickly collapsing. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Oliver, I was in New York last weekend and uh, had a couple of a, a dinner with a couple of people in the industry, as we say, and the buzz was all about the new president of CNN. Uh, lots of names being thrown out, particularly uh, one Mark Thompson. Uh, what can you tell us? You want to make any big announcement here right now? <laughs> I, I wish I knew. So uh, no big announcements to be made on, uh, <laughs> or news to be broken. But um, Mark Thompson is you know, one of several people uh, being interviewed and considered for this job. Um, I, I think what's notable here is that uh, there was a great sense uh, inside CNN over the past couple months since Chris Licht was fired as president and CEO of CNN, um, that this new interim leadership team, they're called the Quad among staffers because it's made up of four people, uh, Virginia Mosley, Amy Antelis, Eric Sherling, and David Levy. There was this great sense that these four were going to really be steering the ship for the next uh, you know, year or so uh, throughout the 2024 election. I think that's what most people mm-hmm. had generally thought. And so when you saw news reports emerge last week that Mark Thompson um, was being interviewed and, and considered for the position, um, I think that uh, that really ruptured that notion inside the company. And just just being honest, you know, a, a lot of people when I'm talking to them, they they're just there's been a lot of change inside CNN over the past 20 months. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> whether it, it was Chris Cuomo got fired, then Jeff Zucker was ousted. Then you had a whole bunch of his deputies leave. Then you had CNN Plus shut down. Then you had layoffs. Then you had programming overhauls. Then you had Don Lemon's firing. And so there's been so much, and then Chris Lick's firing, of course. There's been so much 
uh, that's happened inside CNN. The, the organization has taken so many gut punches that I think in the last couple of months, the organization was really just finding its footing. And so to a lot of staffers hearing the news that there's going to be a, a, another shakeup at the top, you know, there's, uh, it, it leaves them with feelings of anxiety. Um, and, and so it's not CNN's, um, CNN's owned by a parent company, Warner Brother Discovery. And so Warner Brother Discovery, it's their decision on whether, you know, to hire someone and who to hire, but that's how staffers are, are feeling uh, at the moment. Got it. Well, we will continue to watch and we will find out what's going on uh, from you, among other people, uh, in your reliable sources and newsletter. Uh, great job, Oliver. Thank you so much for your good work. And thanks for taking time to uh, join us today on the Bill Press Pod. Hey, thank you, Bill. That's it for today's podcast with uh, Oliver Darcy from CNN. I really urge you to uh, sign up and subscribe to his uh, newsletter, Reliable Sources. I have, I enjoy it, you will too, and learn a lot about what's happening in the media uh, every day uh, on every front. Uh, meanwhile, we are looking forward to the next roundtable on Friday. Hey, we already have one court date for Donald Trump, March 4, 2024. By the end of the week, there could be new developments in all the legal cases against Donald Trump. So we'll be back with a roundtable on Friday. Have a good week. Enjoy the very last week of summer, and then come back and see us Friday for the next edition, our Reporters Roundtable, next edition of the Bill Press Pod.